This is the podcast for RUF at App State. Everyone is welcome and no one is unexpected. For more information, visit us at appstate.ruf.org. My wife uh, walks into our bedroom, if, if I've already gone to bed before her, she'll walk into the bedroom and typically she'll see me and she will laugh. And she laughs appropriately. Why? Because when she looks at me in the bed, what she sees is, is me lying fully down under the covers with the covers pulled up to my chin and I'm brushing my teeth. And I'm just lying there and I'm just brushing my teeth. And I do this pretty much every night. Because I wait until the last possible minute to brush my teeth, and I'm so tired at that part of the day that it feels like just, it's, it's just enough for me to have to crawl into bed and brush my teeth, much less if you ask me to stand in the bathroom for the two minutes it takes to brush my teeth. If I were to try to do that, it feels like that would be the end of me. Who has time to brush their teeth standing in the bathroom? You might as well ask me at 11.30 at night to do a leg day workout. I'm not going to do it. And so I lie there in bed brushing my teeth every single night with the covers pulled up right here in my hand like this. And this is, I think, reflected in a lot of ways that I try to multitask in my life. Eating while I drive or answering emails in a busy crosswalk in a college town where cars are around and they're often not that nice or thoughtful, or trying to rest while I'm supposedly working, and working while I'm supposedly resting. And as I do this, as I multitask, think of the picture of me resting while accomplishing one last task at the end of the day, brushing my teeth, It blurs the lines between work and rest. And what ends up happening is that my work suffers, but also my rest suffers. I just stay busy, but I also stay weary. How about you? If I want to get a room full of people to nod their heads, I just, or internally nod your head, all I have to do is ask, do you feel busy? Or do you feel weary? It's a 99% nod rate, I would argue. We are busy both in terms of our schedules, our full schedules, and in terms of our hearts. We are busy. We feel hurried like there's not enough time in the day to get all the stuff done that we need to get done. Work and schoolwork and chores and staying connected and staying relevant and improving our resume. There's just not enough time to get everything done. And so we become weary, exhausted. We feel worn out, looking for rest, and so dissatisfied by the so-called rest that we get at the end of the day or on the weekends. And we busy ourselves with tasks and our time off, and we try to take a little bit of time off as we work. And what's the result? More busyness and more weariness. Here's God's command with that experience in view tonight. This is the fourth commandment. It's this, rest. That's what God commands in the fourth commandment. This people and anyone who would want to know the thriving life, he says, rest. 
So there are endless things that we could say about the fourth commandment tonight, this, this commandment. And I don't have time to say everything. So let's just look at this as an appetizer for your thought. And so what I want to do tonight is look at three aspects of the, of the fourth commandment for you to take with you and to continue to, to wrestle with and think through. We're going to look at the day. We're going to look at life. We're going to look at eternity. So this commandment has a lot to do with time. So we're going to look at day, life, and eternity. So first, let's look at the day. So first, as we look at this, who is this command given to? You need to remember this is, is given to the Israelites. These are the people who were just recently slaves in Egypt, just recently slaves, held under the thumb of Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt and his taskmasters. And the God who gives the Ten Commandments, he first rescues these slaves out of Egypt, conquering Pharaoh and bringing them to himself. And then he tells them what he wants from them. But Pharaoh also gave commands to the Israelites. Pharaoh had his own command, and really specifically was this. Never stop working. That was Pharaoh's command. You can never stop, never stopping. He demanded that the Israelites farm and then build storehouses for surpluses of grain, more bricks, more bricks, never stop, on and on, every single day, without end, no rest. And at one point, God sends Moses, a leader, to go to Pharaoh and say, let this people go because God is, is calling them to himself. And here's how Pharaoh responds. We look there at Exodus chapter 5. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. So not only does Pharaoh tell the people, you cannot stop, but he wants to make their work harder. You are lazy, he screams at the slaves. Keep producing, keep working, never stop. Who cares if you're weary? That's the command that Pharaoh gives. But when God brings this people out of Egypt, what command does he give to them? You can read there in Exodus 20, verse 8. It's to remember the Sabbath day. And Sabbath basically means rest. So remember the day of rest. Keep it holy, which means to set it apart for God's intended use. What does the setting apart of the day mean? You can see starting in verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. God commands his people this seventh day of the week, which would be Saturday, Stop. No work. Full stop. No more busyness. Rest from your weariness on this one day, especially on this day. And this isn't arbitrary. He's not just saying uh, this day seems to work. What does verse 11 say? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and seed and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this is calling back to the story of God's creation and making all things. God depicts himself as a farmer, creating and cultivating for six days. And on the seventh day, God rests. 
which doesn't mean that God takes a nap. He doesn't need to sleep. What he's doing, he's actually being instructive like a good teacher. He is showing his people, this is what I want you to do. God rested from his work of making on that day so that we would learn from him to stop and to rest. So what does this have to do with us? First, what was the purpose of the Sabbath day? There are two big purposes. The first one is that this is connected to creation. God is, is, is showing his people, this is what you are made for. Follow God's lead. One author puts it really helpfully. Sabbath is imitating God, so we stop trying to be God. Sabbath is imitating God, so we stop trying to be God. The Sabbath reminds you that you are not God. You are a creature. You have limits. You have weaknesses. And that is a good thing. And you need to attend to those limits and weaknesses. You need to rest. The second big purpose is that it's connecting us to God's work of redemption, rescue from slavery. The day was set apart to specifically teach God's people, this is who your God is. He is not like Pharaoh. He is not a greedy taskmaster. He doesn't need you to produce anything. He doesn't need you to give him anything. He is your redeemer who rescued you out of slavery simply because he loves you. So that was the purpose, to teach them this. What does this have to do with us? I mean, Christians have historically believed that God still sets apart one day for rest. From early on in in the Christian church, Christians began celebrating the Sabbath on the first day, Sunday, instead of Saturday, because the Bible teaches that Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday. And this day for Christians is still, I would argue, to be set apart for rest. One day out of the week entirely for rest. This one day, you must stop your labors, full stop, no working Rich or poor, you notice in the command, even the animals are told to stop working. Rest. I mean, out of all of the Ten Commandments, this one may be the most foreign to us. Because we may not know anyone who sets apart one day, especially Sunday, entirely for rest because God says do it. But on top of that, it simply feels impossible. Who in 2022 could take one full day out of the week and do no homework on it, no work on it, no chores on it, and to have it set apart entirely for delight? Who can do that? We should ask, why does it feel so impossible? If you've ever played Jenga or Party Blocks, you know that at some point in the game, there is a row that has only one block. And then there are rows on top of that one block. And then at some point... The tower is teetering, and it seems like one gust of breath will knock it entirely over. Imagine your closest friend tells you, as you play the game, pull that block. The the block where that's it in that one row. You you, you may trust your friend, but you look and you say, if I pull that block, everything is going to crumble. It's all coming down. How could it not? I think this describes what it feels like for God to tell us to have an entire day set apart for only rest. It feels like being asked to pull the block that if you do it, everything will fall apart. I struggle enough just to, to, to rest by sleeping enough, much less setting apart an entire day for rest. My work, my schoolwork, my grades, my, my future career, all of it will come crumbling down. Well, and with that in view, what is this day for? God gives us this day as an act of resistance. An act of resistance. The command to Sabbath is a call to resist the commodification of your life, where who you are is what you produce. It's what you offer. It's what you make. 
It's a resistance to performancism. And what, what is that? You can read David Zoll. He writes about this performancism narrative. Performancism is the assumption, usually unspoken, that there is no distinction between what we do and who we are. Your resume isn't part of your identity. It is your identity. What makes you lovable and what makes your life worth living is your performance at X, Y, or Z. So the Sabbath is an act of resistance against that narrative because it tells you a different story. It tells you that you are defined by the God who made you, who values you and your life, not because of what you craft, but because he crafted you. That's what it tells you. But the Sabbath, the Sabbath is also a gift of remembering. It's teaching you to remember specifically on this one day the core message of Christianity, which is that God sent Jesus into the world to rescue you from the slavery to false gods, not because he needs to get something from you, but simply so that you would know him and enjoy him. That's why he sent Jesus into the world. So this, this one day of the week is specifically set apart so that you would learn more and more that you are loved not because of what you do, but because of the overflowing kindness of God's heart. It's a gift of remembering. And I want you to imagine what would it be like to have one day of the week entirely guarded and set apart for this kind of rest, guarded from chores, guarded from the demands of emails and, and all the things that are calling at you. You got to keep up. You got to keep going. You got to keep making bricks. What would that be like? How good would that be? God commands this because you need it. And he wants you to, to trust that as you give your days to him, and specifically this day to him, you would find that the tower doesn't come crumbling down. Because him and his love for you, it remains standing. So that's the first thing. That's the day aspect of this command. But let's go to life. The fourth commandment, it's not less than about a day. I know there's so much more we can say about that day, but it's also about more than just a day. It's about a heart posture. It's about God shaping our hearts to become more like his heart, to have a Sabbath heart. And a Sabbath heart, what I mean by that, it's a heart that is learning to unbusy itself by un learning to unburden itself to God. It's a heart that is shaped by Jesus. And what kind of invitation does Jesus give us? You can look at Matthew 11, where he says, in, starting in verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is not like Pharaoh. He does not respond to your busyness and your weariness with a stop complaining, you're being lazy, you've got to keep working, you can't stop. No, he unburdens you from the need to perform because he loves you simply because he loves you. He quiets your soul because you have nothing to prove to him. And he gives you rest by detaching from your soul the false gods that burden you and demand from you. Jesus gives you a rest that decommodifies your life and your value. And that calls you to stop and rest. And as our hearts are changed by the rest that Jesus gives, our entire approach to life is changed. There's no need for exhaustion because you serve a God who himself rested to teach you and say, you can rest. There's no need for busyness because you don't serve those other demanding gods anymore. God is not a greedy taskmaster. He is a God of rest. And so serving him changes everything. It changes the way you work. It changes the way you rest. It changes the way that you live. Unless someone is wounded 
or in the hospital or there is a tidal wave behind me, I don't run places anymore. And maybe I should, but I don't. And that's because when I was young, I ran everywhere. I ran all of the time. I would run from my dorm over to the library to print off a paper and then make it over to my classroom with 20 seconds to spare to turn it in covered in sweat. And I would run to meetings. And if I wasn't running, I was power walking like a 65-year-old retiree. Why? Because I was busy. I was so busy. And so I ran and I ran and I power walked. But the last, one of the last times I can remember running to get to something that I don't think I needed to run to went like so. I was busy, and so I drove home as fast as I could, breaking speed laws and limits. And I got to my house, and, I, and right after I had gone to Sonic and picked up some chicken for dinner. And so I brought it inside, and then I, went, I took a one-minute shower, and then I threw on, clothes, threw on clothes that didn't match, shirt and pants, and I took my shoes, and I put on my socks, but I didn't have time to put on my shoes. And so I didn't think I had time. So I ran to my door, and I grabbed the box of chicken. And with a box of chicken in one hand and my shoes in the other hand, I ran down the steps to the garage floor. And when my socks hit the sleek garage floor, I went parallel with the earth. And the chicken went flying out of the box underneath my car. And I struck the earth. And I can vividly remember looking at the scattered chicken and car grease and looking down at my soiled clothes and dignity and feeling that my bruised spine and dignity and thinking to myself there has to be a better way to live than this there just has to be a better way to live and it must look like not running everywhere and there is a better way it's a life that's directed and shaped by sabbath rest that's the better way a sabbath heart a heart that's shaped by the rest Jesus gives, it, it leads to everything different. It leads to resting differently. I mean, so often our, our rest, what we call rest, is so greedy and kind of unrestful in our posture toward it, and it's dissatisfying. At the end of the day, I just collapse into myself, and I binge entertainment or pleasure because we are so desperately exhausted. So it just feels like I don't even have the, the energy to rest well, and I just become like, Gollum toward the ring with me toward my rest, and I'm just trying to binge rest, and it's never really that satisfying. But if we are continually being fed by the rest God gives freely, then I can have an ungreedy, unselfish, and actually a restful posture toward my time of rest. Because my rest becomes less and less about satisfying my greedy desires and more about knowing the God and enjoying the God more who is already feeding me rest. And so it changes the way we rest, but also it changes the way we work. When the, the way work gets cursed is that we look at our work and our, and our grades and our schoolwork as if it defines us, performanceism. I'm only as valuable as what I produce. But a Sabbath heart leads you to begin to enjoy your work in surprising ways because your work, your schoolwork, it no longer defines you. It doesn't tell you who you are. It doesn't commodify you because you're not a commodity. Your life is not commodifiable. No, and so you can begin to enjoy your work for what it is. But you also, what this leads to is an unhurried life. So often our busyness just stops us from enjoying the things that are right in front of us and that we should be grateful for the good gifts that God wants us to to notice. Mark Buchanan in his great book, The Rest of God, he writes this about how Sabbath heart shapes 
the way that we live unhurried. He says that the, indeed, this is the essence of a Sabbath heart, paying attention. It's being fully present, wholly awake in each moment. It's the trained ability to inhabit our own existence without remainder. So that even the simplest things, the in and out of our own breathing, the coolness of tiles on our bare feet, the way wind sculpts clouds and the crocodiles and polar bears, gain the force of discovery and revelation. We begin to notice things rightly. A life shaped by Sabbath rest looks kind of from the outside like someone who's just wasting time, taking a long walk, looking at the clouds, reading a book for fun. I'm dwelling over a cup of coffee and just staring at a wall for a little bit and just being. That seems like wasted time. Don't you know that there's stuff to do? Get moving. Stop being lazy. But no, the, a, a person who's being shaped by Sabbath rest sees this as a beautiful use of time. Because the God who made you in all things is giving you these moments and time to, to see him more clearly and enjoy him. So this, this commandment, the fourth commandment, is given to, to teach you to not just live in space and time and being frantically busy and then weary, but instead to begin to live the way you're meant to, to rest and to work and to live unhurried the way that we're meant to. So that's the, the second thing. We obey the fourth command by setting apart a day, and that then shapes the rest of our life. But let's last look at eternity. Ooh, eternity. For Christians, the Sabbath, it looks back to what Jesus has done. Him living and dying and rising again from the dead to give us rest. But there's also a Sabbath in the future. There's a, a future Sabbath. There's a Sabbath coming at the end of history. Really, the end of history is really described like a Sabbath. Where God will bring his people who belong to Jesus into the rest that he's been preparing for them. That's what he is guiding his people toward. And so the Sabbath, it points us toward God's goal for all things, which is not striving, it's not making bricks, it's his rest. That's the goal of everything. This tells us the ultimate goal of the Sabbath day, and a life shaped by Sabbath rest is to be being prepared to be shaped for forever. In commanding Sabbath rest, God is preparing us for forever. And not in some abstract way. He's preparing you for forever in God's presence through Jesus, in Jesus' presence. Because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the King of eternity. And all of your work, all of your rest, it's lasting to the extent that it's directed toward him. Because in the end, only him and his kingdom of rest, that alone will last at the very end of all things. When all of your days are entrusted to him and his purpose, then all of your work and all of your rest and your whole life is preparing you for forever. What are the moments you wish would last forever? Have you ever been in a moment that you wish, I wish this would not stop and would keep going? Isn't it often those restful moments? Isn't it often just an unhurried afternoon with friends at the Greenway? Time with good friends over a meal that leaves you content? Is it the morning that you slept in because it snowed in Boone and everything shut down? These are the moments, I say most of the time, that we wish would just keep on going. We want to hold on to them and keep them going forever. Why is it that those are the moments? What if it's because they are pointing us toward what we're actually meant for? 
which is a forever of rest in God's presence. And if we want those moments so badly to last, then how much better is an eternity with the God who gives those moments their beauty and their power? How much better is that? And so the Sabbath, I mean, it it confronts us with this big question. What are you living for? What are you living for? If you're only living for right now, then what option do you have but to commodify your life and your existence? If all of you have is right now, then really all you have is what you produce. And all you have is, is the way you can perform and the praise that you get, even if that praise is fleeting. All you, all you get in rest are distractions from the weariness and the busyness that is all there is. But what if there's more? If your goal is eternity, an eternity of rest, then you can rest now. Why? Because a perfect Sabbath rest is coming and you're not going to miss it. You don't have to be frantic because you're not going to miss out on it because it's freely offered. And you can actually begin to experience it now as it's offered through Jesus. Here's what the commandment invites you to see is that you were made not for making, not for making bricks, not for striving, but for the rest that God gives. And this future, this future Sabbath, this eternity is coming to the presence through Jesus who lived for you and who died to rescue you and to put to death the false gods that hold you under their spell. And he rose from the dead to prepare for you an eternal rest that again, he gives you freely. And he invites you into this rest here and now to experience it in part and one day to experience it fully. Stop, rest, entrust yourself to the God who made you for himself made you for his rest and trust all of your days to him. Even I would invite you to consider the Sabbath day because what God commands, he gives is rest. When my son was a little bit younger, when he was a toddler, he would often have emotional reactions that he just couldn't control tantrums. I remember one time we were at the beach and he wanted to do something that we couldn't let him do. And so I told him no, and then he began ran, running down the beach toward the water. And so I couldn't let him do that. So I had to run and, and pick him up and grab him up into my arms. And he was thrashing busily, wildly, kicking me, punching me. And there really was nothing I could do because I knew he was just going to try to run back to the water. There was nothing I could do except just hold him as he thrashed and kicked and punched until he wore himself out. And he stopped the kicking and he rested his head on my shoulder and he fell asleep. When we come to God, we come with busy and weary hearts, and we come thrashing and kicking. And we say, I cannot rest, but God is rest. And we say, I cannot stop, but at the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Your busy heart cannot exhaust God's heart. It's the power of his heart and his love and his rest that assures you and even even makes you able to rest. And the more that you entrust yourself to him, entrust your busy and your weary heart to him, and trust that every time he will teach you that he is gentle and lowly in heart, he will give you rest. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the, uh, the gift it is uh, to be able to rest. Thank you that you alone among gods command rest. You command us to experience delight. 
You command us to know, uh, to know that we are more than what we make or produce. We are valued by you simply because you value us, simply because you love us. So would we, would we know this and enjoy this as we learn to enjoy you. We ask this in your name. Amen.